Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Actually, they're on the radio, but I'm in Arizona, and Richard is in. Where are you, honey? Well, I'm I'm in Kolob Canyon in the beautiful Red Rock Zion Park in southern Utah. So there, so there. You're just you're not in near as pretty a place as I am today, honey. Wow. Um, this is absolutely beautiful here, but it's warm. It's going to be 105 today, I think. 105 in Phoenix, and in Kolob Canyon, it's going to be 71. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. You have, to, you, have to, you have to get to Phoenix early. you got to get down there, what, and what would you say, February is the perfect weather? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is absolutely delightful to be warm, though. Honestly, I've been cold for so long. We've been in New York cold, and... Boston cold, and actually even Los Angeles cold this week um, because we were inside during the day and then came out at night and it was cold and it was cold on the airplane. And so I'm so happy to be warm. Well, you're one of Linda's key pet peeves is over air conditioning everything, movie theaters, airplanes, everything's cold when you're Linda Iyer, right? Oh. You got to you got to get out there where it's warm, but. Let us uh, say to our listeners today, we're so glad to be, I mean, we use this show for a lot of things, mostly parenting and marriage advice, but also to keep track of each other. And sometimes we're in different places. We learned a long time ago that part of parenting, especially in a large family, is something called divide and conquer. You go one way and take care of business. You're down there for a baccalaureate of our daughter in a gymnastics competition of of another da- a granddaughter, and I'm down here picking up our horses to bring them up so we can get ready for our family reunion in the summer. And so somebody had to do it, so I'm doing it. But but that's just the easy, pleasant part of the week, honey. We've had quite a week, and we named the show today Families Pulling Together because we've been we've been acutely aware this week of how amazing it is when a family has a crisis or a special need or a situation of uncertainty and one member of that family that extended family is in some degree of danger or in some degree of um, need and how remarkable it is to see the whole family pull together in so many ways by uniting their faith and prayers by by the wonderful use of electronic means to give support and to be instantly informed of how things are going. So I'm saying it kind of generally, Linda, but why don't you give the specifics? Well, we have a little granddaughter who was born with a pretty serious heart defect at birth. In fact, they thought she would only have three chambers, um, two, one ventral or one and a half ventricles, and a valve problem and a hole in the heart. And so at birth, she um, went into intensive catheter surgery. They took in catheters and put in stents and so on on the day she was born. And now, fast forward two years, she is the most adorable two-year-old in the world. And um, they have decided that now is the optimum time to do another 
major open heart surgery and correct some things that will last her for a lifetime. So, and this, um, and of course, this, and of course, this is so hard for her parents, uh, our son and our daughter-in-law, because here's this delightful two-year-old who'd exceeded all expectations. I mean, they thought originally that they might have to do some in vitro surgery and, you know, the ultrasound and so on of the heart really looked problematic. But through a lot of faith and prayers, and I think through just wonderful divine intervention, she was born doing pretty well. And like you say, Linda, had these catheter procedures and and what made it hard now is that she's so normal in every way and so precocious and so sweet and so cute. And the idea of subjecting a two-year-old to open-heart surgery is just so difficult for all of us. But her parents, bless their hearts, have a lot of courage, and they weighed all. It's an elective surgery, but she would have had to have something done at some point. And the easy decision would have been, well, let's just wait. Let's just wait till she's older and and see how she does. But after thinking it through really carefully and getting a lot of expert opinions, second opinions, third opinions, they just felt like the pros of going forward and getting it done now while she's so young and so resilient outweighed the negatives. And so... Um, so the day before yesterday, the little blessed soul had her surgery, and it went well. I don't want to belabor the point, but maybe I can cut to the chase by saying we're all in the waiting room and and the grandparents and, and the parents. And uh, this wonderfully world-famous doctor is also the champion of terseness and brevity. <laughs> Comes in, in and basically speech, says in his speech, as well as in his <laughs> surgery. <laughs> yeah. He's fast in his surgery, and he comes in and says, well, well, I was able to carve out what I needed to. Her valves are working. Uh, uh, I think that this will be the last surgery she'll need. He shakes her hand, and off he goes. And we're like, bless you, brother. <laughs> and the oh little gosh. girl, little, little mother, little Christy, gave him a hug just out of joy. And he was like, okay, I know I have to have a hug, and now I'm back to work. <laughs> But yeah, confidence. He was, oh, he was—he is a world-renowned heart surgeon. We didn't realize this until after the surgery. Um, but the nurses told us that people come from all over the world to have him do their babies because he's such an expert. And, uh, and we're, so we were like so con—we're so concerned that uh, our little granddaughter was so young and so small. But earlier in the day, he'd operated on a premature two-day-old baby so he's you know basically our little mila was was big for for yeah, for, for, for his big, standards you know to work on for her yeah but it is so sad to see him all splayed out on the bed with a hundred tubes coming in and out and blood draining and juices draining and uh big sutures up the middle of her chest and i didn't even realize that they had to cut through they saw through the sternum um and this well, don't get into had, too many details, Linda. Well, I'm a little the, queasy as it is. No, well, the mom and dad had actually seen a surgery just like this, so they kind of knew what to expect. Bless them. On Everybody video. is so good to really prepare parents now and let them know what's going on. And then that cute mother said, can I go to the, can I go to the surgery room? I want to watch. And I just went, oh, my gosh, there is no way I could do that. She's in medical uh 
she was in a medical uh, field. Public health. She majored in public health. But I want to, you know, you may wonder why we're giving you this blow-by-blow account. It's kind of in preface to our subject matter of today, which, again, is families pulling together. And, you know, one of the things we don't we don't think enough about or have maybe enough uh, acute appreciation for is how wonderful it is to have a family when when you are in need, when there is some kind of a crisis or a special situation. And the support that comes from that is so remarkable. And And we're so blessed to live in an age where the distance between family members is not prohibitive. I mean, we flew to Los Angeles for this procedure, of course, as the grandparents, but uh, our son, uh, you know, has eight siblings, and our daughter-in-law has four siblings, and, and of course, we have siblings, uh, Linda and I, and, and uh, Christy's parents do, and I didn't ever do the math, but I'm sure, Linda, there were 100 people who were aware, who were related to this little girl, who were aware of what was going on. We had a fast together uh, the the day before the surgery. And you just cannot overstate the strength that comes from a united family. And I... Go ahead. Not only that, but friends. Um, Lots and lots of friends were calling and writing and we're praying and we're fasting and it's just so amazing to know what can happen when there are a lot of numbers of people unified uh, for one little girl. Yeah, and I and I don't mean to bring up a negative point, but just by contrast, I just happened to be listening to a an NPR show as I was driving down here the other day, and it was a it was a very successful woman, a, a television and movie producer who um, was the guest, and and she was having a a certain kind of crisis. I don't need to go into detail, but, and this was not why she was on the show. This just happened to come up and she broke down a little. It was really interesting because she's, she's in her sixties and she was saying, you know, I've had such a great life and I've had so many successes and I've been recognized and I've had awards and I've had uh, a lot of accolade, but you know, I don't have anyone right now. I, my family, I, I, I don't have a family. I don't have a support mechanism. She says, I draw a lot of strength from my colleagues and the people I work with, but I'm facing some of these things essentially alone. And I just, my heart just broke for her. The idea that, uh, you know, not having, when you hear someone say, gee, I just don't have a family. Part of me doubts that. I mean, certainly they have someone. Almost everyone has someone, thank goodness. But we don't. We who have family and who gather as families and who have families rally around us whenever there's a need probably don't appreciate it enough. We probably take it a little bit for granted. But when you contrast it with not having a family and and it's it's frightening and especially I think as, as we get older, Linda, I mean, that's what was poignant about this woman in her sixties and, and really by herself now. And what does she have to look forward to? What does, 
what will it be like 10 more years from now or 20 years from now if she continues to be alone? I, I just, you know, we, we should all ratchet up our degree of appreciation for our families, especially in times of need. Oh, absolutely. In fact, my sister um, lost her husband 10 years ago. He was 57. He went into, um, he he not been feeling well, and he went into the hospital and uh, he, he was amazingly held together until he got there. But they did, diagnosed him at 9 in the morning with stage 4 stomach cancer, and he died at 1 in the afternoon. And, wow, I mean, that was so stunning. And and yet, she had seven children all around her, and that woman has received so much love and care and devotion. Of course, it's still hard. It's still miserable. But to have that family is just absolutely amazing. Well, you know, so we want so what we want to do in the second half of the show is talk a little about how we can enhance our appreciation for family and and maybe talk a little about uh, the the new challenges that exist in a world that's as high a pace as this one. How do we stay in touch all the time, not just in times of need? So we'll be back to talk more about that right after this short break on Ayers on the Road. Ayers on the Road, parenting in a modern world. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Okay, we're back. So, um, honey, I hope you're not going to get too hot there in Phoenix, and I hope you're going to have a great time. What's your agenda today? You've got, I think you've got the uh, gymnastics with our little Claire, our little granddaughter, and then you've got the baccalaureate with our graduating daughter, right? Oh, there's always a lot going on with this household, with these five kids. There's a baby shower this morning. We went to a reception last night, a wedding reception. Then there's um, some, oh, a baptism this afternoon, and then there's a concert at 6, and then we're going to go to a movie with Josh later, and and another reception. And, you know, it's just so busy with, with little kids and big kids. Now these kids, two of them, first one is already gone from home, and the second one's about to leave. Life is so busy, but so wonderful with um, little kids and older kids and all kinds of kids. Well, you you take it a little easy. We didn't get back from our hospital trip to L.A. till 3 in the morning, night before last, and knowing you, you haven't not caught up on sleep yet, so take a little nap during the day, okay? Oh, for sure. You know me and naps. <laughs> Um, Richard has to have a nap every almost every day, and I could not nap. I feel miserable when I wake it's up. It's a power from a nap, nap, Linda. It's a, it's a power. It's a power nap. It's just a little quick power nap, you know. Because my theory is that I'm I'm the most productive on riding or whatever I'm trying to do early in the morning or late at night, and so I go to bed late and I get up fairly early sometimes, and so about. Four or five in the afternoon, I start to droop a little bit, and that's the time for a power nap. I right? know it's good that we it's good that we marry opposites, don't you think? So that one can no, I'm going to no, I'm I'm going to convert you over to the power nap. It's just no. you know taking it's a little time. <laughs> anyway, well, um, let's let's we, go back. Let, let me just say one quick thing, and leading into what you're going to say, honey, I think yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought up your brother because um. 
you know, our example is a happy one. This little surgery went well. It was wonderful. It looks like everything's going to be better than it's ever been for this little granddaughter. And so that's a joyous time. All of those hundred or more family members that were involved in praying and waiting for the results and so on have a, have a wonderful spurt of joy and gratitude for how well it went. And, and then you brought up the opposite end where suddenly a family member dies or there's a crisis that doesn't end well. And, and of course, that's when the family becomes even more important and um i guess i guess my main thing today that i want to the, the bottom line for me and bottom line i want to try to communicate to listeners is taking things for granted is a big problem in our world taking taking our family for granted saying well sure i've got a family i love them they love me we support each other that as though of course that's just the way it is and i'm glad for it but to feel the intense gratitude, we've, we've often talked, Linda, about how if we could feel gratitude as intently all the time as we do in those special moments when a prayer is answered or something happens, or if we could feel gratitude as intently as we feel angst and concern and worry and fear in a situation, then we'd be so much better off. But the human tendency, I'm afraid, is to take it for granted and say, oh, that went well, I'm so thankful. And then the next day, we're just back to our sort of mediocre baseline level of appreciation. And uh, as we've talked about before on the show, we did a book a couple of years ago called The Thankful Heart. And the whole theory of that book is that you know, gratitude is not some pathway to happiness. Gratitude is happiness in its most obtainable form. And boy, we just need to cultivate that. I don't think, I don't think it comes naturally to very many people. We have to cultivate intense, acute gratitude and, and we'll be happier people and we'll be more in line with the realities of the number of things we do have to be grateful for. That's so true. And, you know, I think we need to just um, veer just a little bit today um, to a little another direction, and that is that there are families who aren't pulling together. And uh, what a sad thing that is for everyone. Um, we have had so many interesting families and people in turmoil recently when somebody did die, and that was the problem because then the kids are fighting over the money, and gratitude goes down the drain. They're just thinking about themselves and what they can get. And um, it really is interesting, the stark difference that happens when a family's pulling together for a cause and, and loving each other no matter what, and then those that are um, just not so happy because of things that are going on. And there have got to be a lot of listeners out there who are in turmoil as we have been as well. I mean, we've had some ups and downs in our extended family as well. Right. I'm glad you brought that up, honey. That's the place I was going to go next. That, uh, you know, don't for a minute think that everything's hunky-dory and wonderful across the board for our family or for any family in terms of relationships. I don't think there's a family on the planet Earth where there aren't some relationships that are in need of repair. It might be with a cousin, it might be with a sibling, it might be with a child, 
who's become estranged or whatever. And and I think what sometimes happens is we say, well, it's beyond my control. You know, I there's not much I can do. Or even worse, we say, well, it's his fault. It's not my fault. I can't do anything. And and we're we're kind of content to let it go, especially maybe in a family where there, it's a fairly large family. And you say, well, I get along pretty well with like 90% of my extended family. There's just a couple who I don't hit it off with. So be it, you know. And I think that's a mistake. I think that, uh, you know, in some future date, in some future place, we'll fully realize the importance of family relationships. And we'll probably also realize that this place, this earth, this mortality was the time to repair those relationships. And that something about this physical world, it's easier to to repair those things and maybe it will be in the hereafter. I don't know. I'm just speculating, but I'm going to repent a little. I do have one brother who we're not speaking to each other much now. There's nothing serious, but we just uh, have gone a little bit different in some of our opinions and, and uh, he's kind of decided to write it off and I've kind of decided to let him do that. And I really think that's wrong. I think I should be doing everything I can to find a common ground, to pull back closer together. And uh, maybe that's the real uh, prescriptive bottom line for all of us on this show today is to, to understand that these relationships are the most important thing. They're more important than our professional achievements. They're more important than our uh, success in life financially or otherwise. They are the heart of what this world and what family is all about. So I guess what I'm saying to myself and to all of you, don't don't give up on any relationship. Blood is thicker than water. I know that's an old cliche, but, you know, you know it's important. I, I just, I've had two experiences this week, one with my sister um, and her family because it was her birthday, and they all met for breakfast. And, boy, you know, they are all... After her husband died, they had a struggle because they were in a business together. And uh, it could have gone either way. But, wow, she has done such a great job of pulling them together and making sure they get together all the time and and using her resources to gather them and have them bond and so on. And they are all just best friends. Then there is another family we were talking about last night who is with our daughter, her husband, um, her husband's family also has nine children. I mean, it's kind of crazy. We have nine and they have nine. But um, one of their sons um, went off his own way and a different way. And uh, that was a lot of years ago. And now they have sons who are getting married, and they just hosted a wedding breakfast for their, um, their it was actually her, his brother's son, youngest son, who has kind of gone his own way. He was in a... a rock group for a while and then nothing wrong with that by the way (laughs) and obviously not and but it was he he did pretty well but then he had to figure out another way and so on but anyway so at this wedding breakfast he's found this darling girl who has blue hair and tattoos and comes from a family whose um parents are totally dysfunctional but boy have they pulled it together and that whole family shawnee was just saying how fun it was to see the parents, 
her her husband's parents, obviously, um, and all of those siblings just surrounding these people, just absolutely smothering with love. They were just so excited about this marriage. And um, it's really so fun to see what can happen when you use love instead of doubt and judgment and all that kind of stuff. It's really a wonderful thing. It really is. And you remind me of a, one of our favorite stories of a a family that was struggling financially and, and, you know, finally managed to accumulate just a little bit of savings. And they had a, a dilemma because they really, really needed a second bathroom. They only had one bathroom in their house and it was a large family. Or they could go on the first family vacation that they would have had for many, many years. And of course, their practical friend said, oh, use the money for the bathroom. I mean, be practical here, you know, don't, don't, uh, you know, do, do the thing that'll last. Well, this family thought about it and prayed about it and went on the family vacation. <laughs> Excuse me. And, um, of course their reasoning was what will really last is our relationships with each other. That's the most important thing. That's the thing we have to prioritize whether we're talking about our time or our, our resources, prioritize those relationships above everything else. Absolutely. And, you know, as we wrap up today, it just makes me realize that you can never do enough um, to show love for family members, especially those that are struggling and um, trying to work out their own lives. There are so many um who are in addiction, who have made really serious mistakes and are trying to recover. And there's nothing better than just giving them all the love you can to show them serious support. Because in the long run, you're absolutely right. That's all that really matters, those relationships. Well, and I just want to say, too, and we know we have a lot of grandparents who listen to the show. And sometimes grandparents feel like, well, that's not my business. I've kind of passed that. I'm just here. And Oftentimes, it's the grandparent who can really be the repairer of these relationships, who can facilitate family gatherings, who can bring maybe a couple of people in the family who aren't doing too well together, bring them together in some kind of a setting where they have a chance to to reconcile. So whether you're a grandparent or a parent or wherever you are, whatever you're doing, let's just all salute the family and do the best we can to repair any damaged family relationships. And to just love each other. So we appreciate all that you do, you listeners out there. We know that you're so many good examples of this. And so thanks so much for listening in, and we'll see you next week on Ayers on the Road. <laughs>